0: Jesus said, We must forgive from the heart. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven. And when you and I refuse to forgive others who have hurt us, maybe we need to ask ourselves the same question Do we really understand? Or have we forgotten? the tremendous debt that we owe God and how Jesus paid that debt one time. You are listening to CCF Run-Through, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. Good day, everyone. Today's message is about a gift. It's about heaven's priceless gift. What is this priceless gift from heaven that we desperately need, will be happy to receive, and yet sometimes we find difficult or impossible or refuse to give to others? Let me tell you what it is. Heaven's priceless gift is forgiveness. In Matthew 18, verses 21 to 22, this is what we read. Then Peter came and said to him, That's Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, why in the world was Peter even asking this question? You see, the background of this conversation is this. Jesus was instructing his disciples about how to handle people who commit sin. For example, he said, If your brother sins, go to him in private. If he repents, then you've won your brother over. If not, bring witnesses, and so on and so forth. So Peter was merely following through on this whole conversation. But here, Peter asked something a bit more specific and personal. He asked, What should I do if my brother sins against me? How many times should I forgive him? And he said, up to seven times, Lord? You know what? In the Jewish culture, their law required them to forgive up to three times. So Peter was actually raising the bar. Now, why he was raising the bar, I don't really know. Maybe he was trying to impress Jesus like, hey, Jesus, up to seven times. That's times two plus one. Oha, ha, oh, ha, Jesus. Well, folks, Jesus was not impressed. And the truth is, no one can raise the bar higher than Jesus. He said, I do not say to you, forgive seven times, but 70 times seven times. The whole point of Jesus is this. Don't count. Don't keep score. And it was Jesus' way of reminding Peter and his disciples, and by extension, you and me, that we are to operate on a different plane, especially when it comes to this issue on forgiveness. And so Jesus launches into a parable to show us once again how the divine economy of the kingdom of heaven works. In verse 23, this is what Jesus started to tell. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king Who wished to settle accounts with his slaves? When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So now we see the cast of characters in this parable. There's a king, or a lord, as he is later called, and then there are his slaves. But there's specifically one slave. And it says here, when he began to settle them, One who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Folks, I am sure when Jesus told Peter and the disciples, you must forgive 70 times seven, their jaws must have dropped. And when he told them this parable and revealed that a slave owed his king 10,000 talents, their jaws must have dropped again. Why do I say that? What is the big deal of 10,000 talents? Okay, let's try and understand this. 10,000 talents. First of all, what is a talent? A talent during Jesus' time was a unit of weight and thereby also a unit of money. So, one talent is 6,000 denarii. Okay, now track with me here. One talent is 6,000 denarii. One denarii is a worker's daily wage. Therefore, one talent is a worker's wages for 6,000 days, which is roughly about 20 years if you remove, you know, sick leave, vacation leave, etc. So what is now 10,000 talents? Remember, this is what the slave owed the king. So 10,000 talents, ladies and gentlemen, is a worker's wage for 60 million days. Now, remember the point of Jesus. When he told Peter and his disciples 70 times 7, his point was not to do the math. His point was, do not count, do not keep score. It's the same thing with 10,000 talents. The point is... The slave owed the king a debt which was beyond calculation. It was inestimable. It was incalculable. As a matter of fact, the word for 10,000 is where we get the English word for myriad. The real meaning of that word is it's countless. It is innumerable. So the slave owed the king a debt which was in Calculable. What happened next? But since he, the slave, did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all he had and repayment to be made. So, folks, it is very clear. The slave did not have the means to repay. So we see very clear in the story. There's a slave who owes the king An amount of money that is beyond calculation and he clearly has no way to repay it. So here, the Lord or the king simply wants to cut his losses, recover even a little bit of that debt by having the slave and his wife and his children sold and all that he has. What happens next? This is another jaw dropper. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him saying have patience with me and i will repay you everything now can i ask you knowing what we already know about this story do you think this slave will really be able to repay everything to the lord or to the king the answer is obviously not So here is where the jaw dropper, jaw dropper number three, comes in. In verse 27, it says, And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. What is the connection between this story about owing money, an incalculable amount of money, and the issue of forgiveness? Well, let me explain. Do you remember the prayer pattern that Jesus taught his disciples? Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. You remember this part? And forgive us our debts. Of course, other translations, our sins, our transgressions, our trespasses. But the whole idea is this. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We need to realize that sin is a debt. It is a spiritual and moral debt that we owe God because of our disobedience to his commandments. And just like the parable implies, our sin debt is incalculable. So I'd like to share with us three priceless principles that we can learn from this parable today. The priceless principles are number one. We owe God big time. As I said, our sin is like a debt to God, a debt that is so big, we have no means to pay it ourselves, no matter how sincere we are and how hard we try. Therefore, Jesus paid our debt one time. Now, Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven. And just like in the parable, it was the king who took upon himself the full weight of that debt. And when you and I understand that we owe God big time, but we cannot pay it, therefore Jesus paid our debt one time, therefore we must forgive, we must forgive other people all the time. Remember? 70 times 7. It is beyond calculating. We should not keep score. So let's go through these priceless principles one by one. Let's go to We Owe God Big Time. Recently, I watched a documentary about mountaineering. And in that documentary, I learned that there are 14 mountains or summits in the world that are at least 8,000 meters high. And Expert mountaineers will tell us that once you reach 8,000 meters, you are in what they call the death zone. Now, you and I, because of sin, we owe God a mountain of debt. And spiritually speaking, that mountain of debt that we cannot scale, that is incalculable in terms of its height, brings us into a spiritual death zone what do I mean well the Bible tells us this in Romans 6:23, it says for the wages of sin is death well let me ask you what is a wage or maybe I should ask all of those who earn a wage do you deserve your wages you'd probably say of course I do some of you may even say I deserve even more well you see that's the definition of a wage It's something that we receive, something we deserve in return for something we do. But in the Bible, it says the wages of our sin is what? Is death, meaning it is what we receive and deserve in return for our sin. And the word death here is not just the end of life. The word death here talks about separation separation as it were of the spirit from the body but more than that it talks about being separated from God for all eternity forever now some of you may be wondering you know what makes sin so bad I mean I haven't committed any crime so why should sin be so serious because sin is against a holy God In Psalm 5, verses 4 to 5, it says, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. God cannot tolerate sin. His holy nature cannot coexist, cannot be in the same room with wickedness, with evil. What is the implication, though, to you and to me, that God is holy when it comes to the issue of sin, the issue of this incalculable debt of sin that we owe God? What is the implication? Let me show you. In James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles, in one point, he has become guilty of all. So let me ask a simple question. How many sins does it take to be separated from God forever? According to this verse, only one. But folks, let's face it. Remember, our sin debt is incalculable. Maybe some of you were asking yourselves the question, how in the world did that slave accumulate such a huge debt to the king? Well, folks, we can ask ourselves the same question. How have you and I accumulated such an incalculable debt of sin towards the king of kings? Well, let me ask you. How many times have you and I sinned in this life? Do you know how many times? I don't know. The number is incalculable. Besides you and I know we have sinned much more than just one time. Here's a menu of sins that you and I have probably committed, okay? Take your pick. Galatians 5:19-21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, folks, it is very clear. We owe God big time. And we are incapable, just like that slave. No matter how hard we try or how sincere we are, we are incapable of repaying that debt. Therefore, what is the solution? The solution is Jesus paid our debt one time. Aren't you glad Jesus came that first Christmas and eventually fulfilled his mission on earth? How do we know that Jesus really paid our debt one time? Hey, the Bible says so. Look, 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also died for sins once for all. How many times did Jesus die? Once. For how many sins did he die? For all. Why did he do it? the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. As we said earlier, we are incapable of reconciling ourselves to God based on our own merit. Therefore, we had to be reconciled, it says, so that he might bring us to God. Do you realize that from the very moment jesus stepped out into his public ministry his goal his mission was very very clear why do i say that in john chapter 1 verse 29 the next day he he meaning john the baptist saw jesus coming to him and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world from the very beginning jesus mission was very clear Jesus was the climax. He was the culmination of all of those years of the animal sacrificial system where the Jews would offer unblemished animals for the taking away of sin. All of that was just a foreshadowing of the true Lamb of God who finally came that first Christmas. And when he stepped out into his public ministry, his mission was declared to the whole world. Behold, the lamb, the unblemished lamb, the holy set apart lamb of God, whose mission was to take away the sins of the world. And this word or this phrase takes away is actually very beautiful. It means to take upon oneself or to carry what has been raised, you know, to carry something with you and to take it away, take it out of the way or even destroy it. And remember, we said in the parable. It was the king who took the full weight of the debt upon himself. And when Jesus was on the cross, he was continuing to express the reason why he came to earth. In Luke 23, we read, But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. Author and speaker Lee Strobel, who by the way will be with us in IDC 2022, I hope to see you there. When he referred to this verse, he was commenting that Jesus didn't say, Father, forgive them only once. The way that this sentence is constructed is that he kept on saying this over and over again, meaning to say, As the nails were being driven into his hands, he would say, Father, forgive them. As the nails were being driven into his feet, he would say, Father, forgive them. As they were hoisting up the cross, he would say, Father, forgive them. As people passed in front of him and made fun of him and spat on him, he would say, Father, forgive them. And just before he gave up his last breath, this is what Jesus said. In John 19:30, therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. This is an amazing declaration. I'll explain to you in just a moment. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Folks, what are the implications of Jesus' final declaration that it is finished? Let me explain. Those three words in English, are actually only one word in the original Greek, and that one word is tetelestai. Now, sources tell us that the word tetelestai would be written on business documents or on receipts in the New Testament times to show that a bill had been paid in full. The word tetelestai also implies that a goal was achieved or a task was fulfilled to perfection. Indeed, Jesus came and fulfilled his mission to pay our sin debt one time with his life. So what are we to do in response? Remember the conversation of Jesus with Peter and the disciples before he went into the parable? He said, forgive 70 times 7. So the implication to you and me is this. Remember the third priceless principle we must forgive all the time do you realize we only read 50% of the parable there's another 50% just about to come but that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii which is a hundred days wages A, a tiny amount a minuscule amount compared to what the first slave owed the king And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. Sounds familiar? Of course, it's what the first slave pleaded with the king. But look at how different the response of the first slave was. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. Can I ask you, how do you feel towards this first slave? Are you starting to feel like maybe angry at him? Asking yourself, how could he be so harsh to a person who owed him so little when he was forgiven so much? You got the point. But the point is this, there are times when you and I can be like that first slave. Remember, we talked about heaven's priceless gift, the gift of forgiveness, a priceless gift we all desperately need, a priceless gift we are happy to receive, but which unfortunately there are times we find it difficult or even we refuse to give it to others so what happened next so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their lord all that had happened folks this is really inevitable when there is one or more persons who refuse to forgive who hold a grudge who bear ill feelings who have unforgiveness, bitterness, anger towards another person, there will be others that will become deeply grieved. It's called collateral damage. Whether it's members of a family, whether it's employees in an office or business, whether it's members in a church, wherever there is unforgiveness, there will be people who will be deeply grieved. In verse 32, it says, Then the king said, summoning him, his lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? It's a rhetorical question. Of course, the answer is yes. But what was the consequence? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And then here is Jesus' conclusion. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. What are we talking about here? What are the implications to you and to me? Well, let me try and explain. According to Dr. Bruce Wilkinson in his book Seventy Times Seven, which is really all about forgiveness, a torturer is someone who causes a person distress or suffering. Folks, many times when we refuse to forgive others, we think that we are in a position of power. We think we are punishing the other person and making him feel miserable. But the truth is, in God's divine economy, God will allow you or me or whoever is unwilling to forgive to feel miserable until we come to that point when we will obey him and forgive the way we have been forgiven. You see, even secular sources confirm this. Take a look at this excerpt from an article. This is from an article written by uh, the Johns Hopkins Medicine Group. The title is Forgiveness, Your Health Depends on It. It says chronic anger, so uh, harboring a grudge, ill feelings, etc., results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Now get this. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. It reminds me of one of our leaders who told me his story. He was telling me that he came to a point where he realized there were many people in his life that he had not forgiven, and he realized just how miserable he was as a consequence. He told me that. He was so stressed because he had to pretend, you know, on the outside that he was okay. He was so stressed because he tried to avoid being in the same room with these people. He would also try to convince himself and justify his unforgiveness. He he had no joy. He began to feel burned out. He eventually spun into depression. He even became physically sick. But when God opened his eyes... And he finally forgave all of these people. From the heart, he was set free. And he was even healed from his physical maladies. And so, our memory verse, our application verse for this entire message is this. Ephesians 4.32, read this with me now. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving each other. And here's the kicker. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And you know, you think about that first slave who refused to forgive. And you might think, did he really understand the forgiveness that he was offered? And when you and I refuse to forgive others who have hurt us, maybe we need to ask ourselves the same question. Do we really understand or have we forgotten the tremendous debt that we owe God and how Jesus paid that debt one time? So my friends, Jesus said we must forgive from the heart. How do we do that? Here are some guidelines that may be helpful to all of us. To forgive from the heart means we forgive all offenses without limit. Remember, 70 times 7 means don't keep score. Number two, forgive all offenders without exception. Do not seek personal revenge. That is God's department. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. And Do not take their sins against them. Don't get historical and start digging up people's past offenses. Now, here are a couple of clarifications that may be helpful as well. First, forgiveness does not mean there will never be consequences or boundaries. Sometimes, and you need to pray for wisdom about this, sometimes the most loving thing that we can allow a person to experience are the consequences of his wrongdoing, so that he will learn his lesson. And letter B, forgiveness may not automatically result in reconciliation, but reconciliation should always be the goal. Now, I'm sure there are many of you who are thinking this. You're looking at these guidelines like just number one and number two, and you're saying to yourself, that sounds so difficult. You know what? I not only agree that it's difficult, I will tell you it is impossible. Unless you and I personally experience what it means to be forgiven of our incalculable debt because Jesus paid that debt for us, we will not be able to do any of these things from the heart. How do we wrap up our time together? Let's go back to our priceless principles and make sure we apply them. What are they? Number one, we need to admit that we owe God big time. Number two, we need to accept that Jesus paid our debt one time. And finally, as we personalize these and as we allow them to be true in our own lives, number three apply we must forgive all the time my friend we want to bless you we want to help you we want to help you end this year right and move into the next year without any unnecessary excess baggage in your life if you've never come to a point where you have admitted you owe god big time If you've never come to the point where you've accepted Jesus as the Savior of your soul, as the one who paid your sin debt for you, you can do that right now. And for all of the rest who are listening, we will also have a time of prayer where we will commit to the Lord that we will apply what we learned, which is to forgive all the time. Shall we pray together? Let's join our hearts in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the forgiveness we have in Jesus. And I wanna pray right now for anyone and everyone who's listening, who's watching, who has not yet come to that point where they admit that they owe you big time and that they are unable to pay that debt on their own merits and they need to receive Jesus and experience his forgiveness in their life. If that's you, my friend, will you join me in a simple but humble prayer Something like this. Just tell him, Lord Jesus, I owe you a sin debt that I cannot pay. But I thank you that on the cross, you declared it is finished. And so, Lord Jesus, today, I give you my life. I believe in you as the Savior of my soul, the one who paid my incalculable sin debt. And I receive you into my life to be my King, my Lord, and my Master. And Lord, help me, help me to live a life that is pleasing to you, a life that is truly transformed for your glory, honor, and pleasure. And now, Lord, I pray for all of us, whether we have received you only today or whether we have experienced your forgiveness, even in the past. I pray that we will be faithful, diligent, and by your grace, always able to forgive anyone and everyone who has offended us in any way, so that it will bring glory, honor, and pleasure to you, according to your command. Thank you again, Jesus, for the year that has passed and the year that is coming. May we live every moment of our lives for your honor, for your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. And amen.